Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. So after a second successive defeat to a side struggling at the wrong end of the table, what is going wrong at Liverpool? Elsewhere, we'll hear how Manchester United are weighing up changes to their goalkeeping department and the future of David De Gea. David Ornstein will join us as well to tell us about the MLS club who are confident of signing Lionel Messi. I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Pod. Someone outnumbered. Still pulls it back though for Bamford. And it's Sullivan! On the eve of his 21st birthday, what a present for Crescencio Somerville! What a present for Leeds United! It could be the winner at Anfield that gets them out of the bottom three! Let's start with Liverpool then on the pod, beaten 2-1 on at home by Leeds. James Pearce, our Liverpool writer, uh, was there. We're talking to him 10 minutes before he goes to see his dentist. Which do you think is going to be more painful? I think it's definitely easier to numb the pain at the dentist than numb the pain watching Liverpool at the minute. It's um, <laughs> Yeah, it's been a, a tough few weeks. I mean, just you know, crazy really to go from... To go from the higher beat in Manchester City and all that talk about will this finally kickstart a flagging season to back-to-back defeats to, to two teams battling relegation. We can't go over the same issues, can we? We we can't go over midfield or recruitment or whether players are tired or whether there is a, a, a sort of psychological come down on going for the four trophies last year but only coming away with the League Cup and the FA Cup, and I'd sort of say only in inverted commas. Or can we go over all that again? Well, yeah, without without wanting to sound like a broken record, I think you probably have to because all those factors you mentioned there, you know, I, I, I think have all contributed to the situation Liverpool are in where, you know, they've got 16 points out of 36, which is the same record they had after 12 games under Roy Hodgson in 2010-11, you know, which, you know, when you when you think back to, to that point, you know, people were thinking, you know, that that was almost as bad as as anyone could possibly remember in the modern era. Now, of course, the situations are very different with the credit that Jurgen Klopp's got in the bank compared to you know, very few fans wanted Hodgson in the first place. But that that shows how bleak this start to the season has been. And I don't think it is one thing. It's it's very different to two years ago when you know probably the other crisis he had during his Liverpool reign was you know when he didn't have any centre back. So that was kind of easy to put your finger on it. I think this is more difficult because it is so many factors rolled into one. The only problem with looking at all of those reasons is, I suppose, the inconsistency of Liverpool at times maybe doesn't necessarily back that up, does it, James? Because, you know, we can look at all those issues, but then, as you say, they beat Manchester City or they go and, you know, destroy Ajax in in Amsterdam. Yeah, but I I think that probably does tie into this, this feeling that, they just don't have the legs at the minute to sustain it and put together a run. It's it's glaring inconsistency. The squad isn't strong enough to cope with a schedule that's absolutely punishing. And so, you know, either he's making changes and bringing in squad players who aren't delivering to the required level, 
or he's flogging the same players game after game, week after week. And fatigue is an issue on that front. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a crazy few months to make sense of when you think you know, to stick nine past Bournemouth, seven past Rangers, beat Manchester City and, you know, and then lose to what Forest hadn't won in 10, Leeds hadn't won in eight. You know, that it doesn't get much worse than that. Are they being bullied? I think Carragher suggested that, didn't he? Yeah, and and I and I think that partly feeds into you know that you know the legs are weary and the minds are scrambled you know kind of feeling because you know you just have to look at the state of the two goals on the weekend. I mean, the propensity to shoot themselves in the foot has been there you know pretty much every week since August. I mean, you know the the no look back pass from Gomez, the slip from Allison, you know putting one on a plate for Rodrigo. Um, was it eight games out of twelve? They've gone behind in, in the Premier League games this season. You know, you can't keep on giving teams a head start like that, especially when belief is so brittle. And then, you know, Klopp actually said he was more angry with the second goal, the the late Leeds winner, because when you look at it back, there was no danger. You know, you had Milner and Curtis Jones. You know, it was two against one out wide. Neither of them put a challenge in. The cross comes in, and then you've got Van Dijk, you've got Gomez, you've got Thiago. You know, stood off ball watching as as Somerville took that took that goal away so um i think it's fair to say they are they are getting bullied because they, they they're also getting outworked and outthought and i think that goes right from the players to the manager and his staff at the minute because he keeps you know he's changed the system he's changed the personnel but the same old glaring mistakes are happening and where does he go from here what Jurgen Klopp yeah i think the big thing for him and he, he talked about it last week was he sees the world cup as a big chance to press the reset button that you know, the, 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 you know, Liverpool have got a, a lot of star players who aren't going to the World Cup, um, who will get some proper time off. Then they'll have a, you know, a second se- pre-season, essentially. He's taken them to a training camp in Dubai. And then as players get knocked out of the World Cup, they'll they'll join up with them in Dubai. And Klopp is clinging to that belief that in the second half of the season, they will be better. And they will have, you know, Joel Matip will be back. Luis Diaz will be back, you know, Jota at some point, although he won't, you know, he won't be back straight after the World Cup. That should help. But I think the worry, I think, for all Liverpool fans is, you know, that gap to fourth place at the minute is eight points. And, and it could grow further because before the break, Liverpool have, have got to go to Tottenham and then they've got Southampton at home. And I think both of those opponents will be licking their lips watching the, the vulnerability in this Liverpool team at the minute. I, I realise the the dentist drill is is not far away. So uh, let me just uh, let's let's just deal with that with that fourth spot with the Champions League places and the concern maybe within the Liverpool boardroom about missing out on the Champions League. It will be a concern because I think you know Liverpool with their self sustaining business model and of course Klopp. Klopp created, um, you know, headlines recently talking about, you know, that how you know we we just can't behave the same way as clubs that are run by by nation states. And you know, for for Liverpool, you know, what was it last season? They made in excess of a hundred million pounds from the Champions League. And when you think Klopp has delivered top four finishes in all six seasons, four seasons he's had at Liverpool so far, you know, that revenue stream is absolutely huge. You know, it, it enabled Liverpool to put together a team that won the biggest prizes, it enabled them to dish out the kind of contracts on big wage hikes that meant they could keep their elite players. And it's allowed them to invest in the club's infrastructure with the stadium and the, the new training grounds. So yeah, to miss out on that this season would, would be huge. And especially, you know, you can, you can forget any hope of signing Jude Bellingham if you're not a Champions League club next season. And, and, you know, the, the challenge of, you know, probably the overhaul that the squad needs is, 
would be a hell of a lot more difficult. I think both, you know, not just in terms of tra- attracting, but able to to be able to actually finance it because L- Liverpool need that Champions League status. You know, when you look at some of the clubs they're competing against this season and the form they're in, yes, Liverpool have got time to make up that ground, but you know, they they've they they have got an uphill battle because um, you know when you lose to two teams struggling as badly as Forest and Leeds, every every game starts to look like it's laced with danger. Is the worry as well there, and we've touched on this before, haven't we, James, that targets might see other clubs, top six clubs, historically, but also, you know, there's a Newcastle to throw in there, that targets might see other clubs on the up. And actually what the the big perception that Liverpool don't want to grow is that they are either in transition, going the other way. Exactly. And that's that's the, the fear at the minute, isn't it? People will look from the outside and say, well, hang on a minute, things aren't quite right there. You know, have, have they got too many players that are past their best? Uh, you know, are, are their owners really going to dig deep enough to, to oversee the surgery that's required to the squad to get them back up there competing for the biggest prizes? Have they got a bit complacent? I think that's a fair enough suggestion at the minute in terms of the owners have they been almost too used to Jurgen Klopp absolutely maximizing resources and draining off every last bit of talent out of the resources at his disposal you know have uh, have they taken their eye off the ball so um that, that's why I think the January window is big because you know more than anything Liverpool made but you know bad mistakes in the summer in terms of not in investing enough certainly in the middle of midfield you know it's not a big surprise to anyone that that is the glaring problem at the minute and that needs to be rectified in that winter window, because, you know, in the same way that Luis Diaz gave the season, you know, his arrival in January last, last season gave them a, a huge lift. This is a squad in, in need of a, of a kind of a, a similar pick-me-up this time around. All right, good luck, James. Cheers, Chappers. Is it a filling? <laughs> no, just a checkup, thankfully. Just a checkup, right. Fingers <laughs> crossed for you. Cheers, take care. Bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, next on the podcast, David Ornstein joins us uh, with news from his column. And let's focus on the future of Lionel Messi. Uh, Who's he been speaking to? This has been an ongoing story for a long time because Messi only signed a two-year contract at PSG, Mark. And there's an option to extend, but of course, that would have to suit all parties. So really, it's just a two-year contract. Who's been linked with him? Uh, PSG to renew him. Barcelona for a what some would describe as a fairy tale return, um, others less so when you think about Barcelona's more recent financial situation and, and problems on and off the pitch, and into Miami. Still relatively new franchise, uh, co-owned by David Beckham um, and the Mass Brothers. Uh, they launched in 2020 during the COVID lockdown. Um, they've had some ups and downs, but they've actually had an improved season under Phil Neville. 
made it to the playoffs. Um, they've recently gained permission to start uh, work on a $1 billion stadium complex. They are now trying to fulfill a long-term vision of theirs, which is to bring Lionel Messi to the club, to the city that he's got a property in already and his family have an affinity to, um, and to try and beat off the opposition that will be fierce for Messi's signature, if indeed he is to leave PSG. As we reveal in the Monday column, Inter Miami are increasingly confident that they're going to sign Lionel Messi. Um, that would presumably be next summer at the end of this PSG season. I don't know of him having plans to leave before the end of his contract. I'd be stunned if that happened. But they have been talking to his father for around two years. It's been led by the Mass brothers rather than David Beckham, although David Beckham does have a good relationship with Messi and there's an obvious pull there. He hasn't been involved in the conversations directly. He hasn't, even though that would strike me as the most obvious way of getting Lionel Messi to into Miami is, is David Beckham to virtually negotiate it. <laughs> well, I think this is spearheaded, the Inter Miami project and, and these sorts of um, conversations by... George Mass in particular. And so while David Beckham has a really good relationship with Lionel Messi, they've got huge mutual respect for each other. And I'm sure it's been mentioned and I'm sure if needed, he could be called upon. Um, and I think we all know this is a bit of a, a dream of David Beckham to bring Lionel Messi to his club. I'm assured that it is not him that is sort of in the regular dialogue. There have been numerous meetings between the Mass brothers and and. Uh, Messi's father Jorge and as far as I know that has not involved Beckham as a frontline negotiator but of course he's part of the Inter Miami hierarchy who now believe that Messi is going to sign. It's not fully agreed but in the coming months they hope that they will get to that stage uh, and there's not going to be any conversation before or further conversation before the World Cup now. Everyone's in kind of lockdown mode, focused on that, in particular Messi, who's on incredible form this season. But early in the new year, the conversations will pick up and then we'll hear one way or the other what's going to happen on this front. But as far as my understanding and my reporting goes, they are in the driving seat to pull off what would be the biggest transfer you imagine in MLS history, um, although Beckham may have something to say about that. Ibrahimovic might have something to say about that as well. Uh, do you think? Um, do you think Paris Saint Germain are resigned to losing him at the end of this deal? And we know that Paris Saint Germain are incredibly ambitious and determined and belligerent in their own right. We saw that with Kylian Mbappe, who everybody had down to sign for Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid were convinced of it, maybe even Mbappe himself. But throughout, I remember that story vividly. PSG was saying, he's going nowhere, he's going to renew, we're confident. And everybody was sort of laughing at them. And, and then in the end, whatever circumstances brought this about, he did. And he has stayed in the French capital. All that happened with Messi, uh, I'm less certain. He's 35 years old. Uh, even though he is playing fantastic football and breaking records still left, right and centre, he is coming to a stage of his life and his career where 
you need to make a big decision. Do you want to do more years in, in Paris um, at the risk of maybe not being able to then have that next chapter? Or do you want to experience something else? From a family point of view and the reaction that I've received from uh, people in the States and, and over here and with knowledge of Inter Miami and the local area and what's going on in the city and the Hispanic community, the South American links, this is described to me as being the perfect end for Messi. I've seen a lot of comments on social media of fans saying that this guy knows exactly where he's going and when he, he will recognise if his career is starting to wind to an end, if his body's starting to function in a different way. He'll never want to sort of... Uh, outstay his welcome somewhere, um, let his body deteriorate and his, his level of performance drop in front of the watching eyes of the world. And so maybe this is perfect for everybody, although I'm sure the other interested clubs, including PSG, will have something to say about that. Win a World Cup with Argentina, try and win the Champions League with Paris Saint-Germain and then wind your career down in in Miami. I mean, having done a Super Bowl in Miami, there are a lot worse cities that you could choose to wind your career down in. If somebody offered that to me, I think I'd snap their hands off. Well, and there's an added factor, Mark, in that the 2026 World Cup is being jointly hosted by the United States. And it would come as no surprise to you if Messi was made some sort of face of this tournament. If he goes over to Miami, he lifts up the, the MLS, he... Um, he endears himself to the, you know, the football in that country. He inspires the next generations and his face is on billboards and promotional material around that tournament, which who knows, he, he may even play in. I think into Miami you also feel that they're in a position uh, to cope with him, to welcome him in in a way that they didn't necessarily before. As I said, they launched during COVID. They were punished for breaking uh, MLS rules around budgets. It's been pretty tumultuous, but this season they've started moving in the right direction. Since news of the permission being granted to start work on the Miami Freedom Park site, which does look like it's going to be spectacular, their value as a club, a franchise has jumped. And um, I think they've experienced, according to the Sportico website, the biggest jump in the valuation rankings table that they produce of any club in the MLS. Um, Phil Neville and Chris Henderson, the sporting director, are going to be staying on. Um, obviously, they were a surprise uh, qualifier for the, the playoffs. I don't think many people had them down for that last summer when they looked a bit of a mess, but um, Gonzalo Higuain helped them there. I'm assuming there could be documentaries in this as well. It yeah. feels like every a lot yeah. of football clubs now, when they're looking at signings, might look at what kind of... I mean, you know... There'd be lots of there'd be lots of clubs looking at uh, lots of uh, streaming services. I'm guessing looking at a documentary for this opportunities you imagine would be exponential. Into Miami's commercial director, he came from Barcelona a few years ago, and since he joined, the growth and the partnerships that Inter Miami have taken on have taken them to a new level. And so there's another link as well. They will know each other. They were at Barcelona at the same time. And, you know, the attractiveness of it all is, is there for all to see. Don't get me wrong, they've got a long way to go. There's huge room for improvement on and off the pitch at Miami. But if you look at the way they put together their temporary stadium um, in Fort Lauderdale with uh, the Mass Brothers who are of a construction background, uh, put it out very quickly, very impressively. The training and, and medical facilities around it are said to be second to none. 
And now they're going to be able to show Messi this project uh, that they're building to give them a permanent home, which really does look something special. All these elements are sort of coming together maybe at the right time. Now, it doesn't mean that it will definitely get done with situations so intricate and complex and unpredictable until the ink is dry. That's when um, you can say that, that, you know, start the celebrations. But... Inter Miami's hierarchy are planning with him in their mind now. They are preparing for life with Messi, which they weren't necessarily doing before. It was a bit of limbo and it still may go the other way. They have to contingency plan. But when they are strategizing and David Beckham was with them at the uh, season-ending defeat in New York City FC, he was back out there last week for for more uh, conversations because they've got to get their roster together for, for the new campaign. Lionel Messi is in their thoughts. They have some space on that roster because of the departures of the likes of Higuain and a number of others. And so there is scope, finance, uh, room for a Messi for others too. The fan base, the city, the environment, it does suggest that this is all set up for him to join. My only caveat is it is not complete just yet. And then Ronaldo goes to DC United to make sure Messi doesn't have a better record in the MLS than he does. Is that how it works? Or he extends at Man United in the Champions League and they're winning titles, <laughs> competing for the biggest honours in world football and he's happy again. The other fairy tale. Oh, wow. Keeps him in the That's Champions a- League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are an awful lot of massive leaps you've made there, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. We're going to talk Manchester United next on the pod. Laurie Whitwell will join us shortly. David, thank you. Pleasure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Zuma! Top quality save by David De Gea. He's kept his team in it there. Uh, well, Laurie Whitwell is here, our Manchester United writer, after they beat West Ham by a goal to Marcus Rashford with the goal. David De Gea keeping... Uh, Manchester United in in it in the second half in particular Laurie yeah I thought it was a classic David De Gea performance really we know that he 
doesn't necessarily um, subscribe to Ten Hag's methods for kind of passing the ball out from the back and coming off his line all that much. Although he did come out of his box in the first half, I think, to stop a, a West Ham attack. But more than that, it was the, the the sort of kind of spring saves that he can do, the, the long reaches that he makes, the kind of shots that look like they're going to go in. Um, you know, that, that one to Declan Rice in particular, I thought, you know, right at the death, you know, when United were inviting pressure on to be able to get a hand up to that. And obviously the one to Kurt Zuma where he flung himself to the right and, and tipped it around the post. I think it looked like that was a goal all day long. So match saving saves really uh, from De Gea. And we're kind of used to it, I suppose, by now. What's his contract situation? Yeah, it's an interesting one there. So we wrote about this ahead of the game um, because it's one that I think is going to run and run really. He's out of contract in the summer, next summer. Uh, United have this plus one option that they seem to employ in all the player contracts these days. They could trigger that if they wanted to, but obviously he's on a lot of money. He's only second to Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of earnings at Manchester United. I think when they're in the Champions League, it's £375,000 a week, something like that. So he does have a reduction because United aren't in the Champions League. It's, it's typically you know, 20, 25% um, that, is, that the wage comes down by. But still, if, if United do want to actually just trigger that, then it's a, a big commitment I think if they're in the Champions League it's something like £20 million over the course of the year which is a, a kind of sizable sum when we know that Eric Ten Hag has kind of had to adapt what he wants from his goalkeeper this season after Brentford it was such a calamity wasn't it that those attempts to kind of build from the back that he's kind of asked to hire to you know go longer be a bit more pragmatic with it but I think ideally he would want a keeper that's, that's really good with his feet it's in Ten Hag's remit this this is you know United again the control that Ten Hag has they will happily uh, listen to what he has to say and, and take their lead from him on whether to trigger the clause or not. Um, and then, as we discussed in the piece, the kind of the sort of alternative, I suppose, is if they want him to stay, but they don't want him to be the, this you know, highest earner, um, can they offer him a new contract on, on reduced terms? We're told that De Gea would be open to that because he's settled in Manchester, he likes living here. And so I guess that's something to be discussed. But it would then mean that he is the number one, really, for a number of years to come. As we saw against West Ham, brilliant when he's making those kind of saves. But does Ten Hag want to move on a little bit and get a keeper that can kind of be a part of the attack as much as stopping goals going in? It does appear quite a convenient time to actually look at whether they need their goalkeeper to go down a different route, doesn't it? Yeah, it gives them gives them time, gives them uh, a bit of uh, flexibility. I think De Gea is relaxed about the situation. I don't think he's chomping at the bit to kind of get it sorted necessarily. Clearly, he spoke to us on pre-season tour and said, I would like to commit my future to the club. You know, that is something that I'm thinking of. But Ten Hag kind of said, let's hold on for now. Let's get the winter out of the way and see where we're at. And then I can make a, a more informed judgment on it all. And United, in the meantime, will be looking at other goalkeepers that are out there. It's going to cost, you know, a decent amount of money to bring one in so I guess you know you can't ignore the financials in this situation it is unless they bring someone back on loan and give him the chance to be number one <laughs> uh, yes Dean Henderson what do you think I mean I, I think he's been pretty good he's had some standout moments for Nottingham Forest he's also conceded goals from outside the box which I think um, mm-hmm. I, I suppose we saw you know De Gea managed to get his hand to that Declan Rice shot so I think that they've been pretty decent shots that he's letting in those uh, situations but you do it's not like he's kind of said I am here, this is me, I'm, I'm the number one at Manchester United for, for the foreseeable. Um, and, and I think actually United might look at it and go, well, he's had, if he has a good season at Forest, he's, he's kind of had, a, I think he's had a, a promising season. You know, it's been one of those where he saved a couple of penalties, hasn't he? That, that save to Van Dijk was incredible, but it's not been one where you go, this should be the number one at Manchester United. So maybe they look at it and go, actually, we can get some money from 
um, you know, Dean Henderson, and that would then offset anything we need to do on the first team, um, you know, with, with the number one. With his feet, he appears to be more of a Ten Hag goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, it's perhaps not as as clear cut as that, though. I, I don't know. I, I've not necessarily seen him um, do anything like like Edison does. You know, with those long balls through. You know, we saw against it against Brighton, Erling Haaland, you know, that yeah. kind of clinical pass. And actually, that seems to be something that David De Gea's introduced. He did a couple of those against Tottenham, um, where I think Fred was one and Marcus Rashford was another, where it was a kind of long, flat ball through the middle. And I do wonder if Ten Hag said to him, if the short pass isn't on, actually just go direct. You know, City have done it. Um, Alisson's certainly done it for Liverpool, you know. So I wonder if that's something that they're developing with him. Is there any need for speed on this? There's a bit of an urgency because... There'll be a few clubs probably looking at goalkeepers, so United can't be caught sleeping, I suppose. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the, the ones that they've looked at, from what I've been told, Diogo Costa's at Porto, uh, who looks like he's having a really good season. He's 23. Unai Simon at Athletic Bilbao, who is actually Spain's number one. You know, David Haye not even in the provisional squad, the 55-man squad mm. for Spain's World Cup. Five goalkeepers are, and he isn't, uh, which is kind of remarkable, really, even though I know we've, we've become accustomed to him not making those Spain squads under Luis Enrique. Um, but yeah, Simon and Costa are two of the goalkeepers that I'm told that United are looking at um, but yeah a lot of clubs will be looking at them as well so they, they kind of can't be too slow on it Tony Coton is the head of goalkeeping recruitment or, or chief scout I suppose for goalkeepers you know clearly uh, a very experienced goalkeeper in his own right he's been doing this for a long time so he's out there in the field kind of trying to get first hand look at these potential options and then he'll feed back into Ten Hag and, and the recruitment team what, what his opinions are the data will go into it and I guess they'll make a judgment. I don't know when they want to do that. You kind of think as soon as January is over, they really need to make a definitive call because we've had this kind of uncertainty over the goalkeeping situation before and it's probably not been the healthiest. So I think uh, a decision that isn't you know dragging on to the end of the season would be beneficial. Is Oblak on that list? I'm assuming he is because he, he appears to be linked with, <laughs> with the majority of the majority of European clubs every single transfer window. Yeah, he's a funny one, Oblak, because I mean, he's 29. So I think at the moment, United are looking ideally at goalkeepers that are a bit younger. So Costa's 23 and, and Simon's 25. So they've got a bit more shelf life, I suppose, even though 29 is, is still very young for a goalkeeper, isn't it? I don't know. You mentioned the feet thing with, with Henderson and, and obviously De Gea. That's one of the big things. I don't know if he's necessarily that kind of goalkeeper either, O'Black. And also, he actually, it hasn't been publicly announced by Atletico Madrid, but we, we checked this out. Dermot Corrigan, I asked him to sort of ask the question at Atletico uh, last week because... Is, it, is that is that how you check things out, Laurie? Just ask other athletic reporters to ask the question? Yeah, we're one big happy family yeah. here. So, you know, <laughs> why not? If they can if they can ask the question, saves me a job. Um, but I was just curious because I saw reports that he was going to sign this big contract. And I had been told, you know, separately, my own sources, uh, chat. You know, yeah, yeah, sorry, yes, yeah, so you do I, have them, Laurie. I, I told me, <laughs> some of them, when they answered the phone, had told me that he had, he's got a really good contract because I'd, I'd, I'd heard his name linked with Spurs uh, and, and if he left, could De Gea go to Atletico Madrid back to a place where he's familiar with? So that was kind of like the musical chairs that I was trying to figure out in my own mind. But I'd seen that he'd um, you know, been reported, signed a new contract to Black. Dermot Corrigan um, does the job and comes back and says, yeah, he signed till 2028 for Atletico, right. which is a decent um, you know, uh, level of, of uh, salary as well. So clearly that, that doesn't prohibit any him moving in the next transfer window, but I suppose it's something to kind of weigh up and, and, and wonder if clubs can afford that kind of salary with him. Did you ask Jack Pitbrook to put the question to Tottenham as well? I, I left that one. I thought, listen, I've done, right. I've done enough here, you know, We've 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 got the, the main piece about De Gea. I'm going down a rabbit hole here with the O Black and Spurs thing. I'll I'll leave it there. 
Right, there, there we are. That, and, and that's the end of the chat. A nice, positive Manchester United chat. No, no cynicism, plenty of smiles. The times are a-changing. As ever, happy Monday, chappers. H- happy Monday. Thanks, Laurie. See ya. Right, that's it. We'll leave it there. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound for the first six months by going to theathletic.com slash football pod. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.